Do Good Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. There's good all around us. Let's hear about it. Welcome to Do Good Charlotte on the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. I'm Pamela Escobar. In each Do Good Charlotte podcast, you'll find out who's helping, who could use a helping hand, and just how you can spread around your own good. In this episode of Do Good Charlotte, we're going to meet the Director of Speech Language Services at Charlotte Speech and Hearing Center, and we'll inspire you to do good Charlotte by finding out who can qualify to use those services at Charlotte Speech and Hearing Center. Angie Reichert, welcome to Do Good Charlotte. Thank you. Nice to be here. So can you first share how you got involved with this nonprofit? Well, I came to work at Charlotte Speech and Hearing Center in 1999, so I'm coming up on my 20th anniversary, actually. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. That seems impossible, but um, it's been a a wonderful experience. Um, I first learned about Charlotte Speech and Hearing Center through some other community programs that I was involved in. Um, I'm a speech-language pathologist. And um, when I found out about the agency and what good work they were doing, I I wanted to be a part of it. Um, Once I got started in nonprofit work, um, I found it addicting. There's just nothing like being able to help people and know that, um, particularly with with children, because children are my passion, um, knowing that people can get services for their kids whether or not they have the money, whether or not they have the time, the energy, we, we go to them in a lot of cases. Um, it's just wonderful that we can help people. So this is your passion, but it's also your full-time gig. It is. (laughs) So what does an average day look for you? Um, so most of our speech therapists, we have 13 therapists. Um, we're in the community during the day. Um, so we are at, uh, various childcare centers. We go into homes, We go into child development um, centers and we work with kids. Most of our kids are birth to eight. Um, We work out in the community in the mornings. We come in in the afternoons and we have school age kids in the afternoons. So we got a lot of kids that are getting speech therapy in school, but they need a little bit more. Um, Having the clinic and having them in the afternoon is very helpful because the parents get to be part of the therapy. They get to see and hear the techniques that we use with the children and it helps them to be their their kids' best teachers. As a mom, I'm trying to think of um, how would I, um, what would be a simple thing that might get resolved in a few, three months, and what's something that a kid's gonna be there from birth all the way through eight? Sure. Well, we have some kids that just come in because they have trouble with a few speech sounds. So we may have a kid that's coming in and they're saying, tar for car and tutti for cookie and sometimes it's really easy they just need a little bit of help we train the parents so they're working with the kids at home those things resolve typically and once they're resolved they're done um we have a lot of children that have more complex issues we have um, a high number of children who are on the autism spectrum scale um those kids tend to be in therapy for a long long time because as they get older their needs change Um, So it's not just teaching them to speak, which that might be the beginning is to just start by using language or using pictures to help them communicate. But as they get older, social language, um, the ability to function in the classroom, understanding academic language, um, all these needs change for kids. And so for some of our kids who are 
going to be in therapy long term. There's typically a, a more complex language issue. Um, we also get children who have really severe phonological disorders. So it's not, it is articulation, it is sound production, but it's much more intensive and it's uh, more involved. And so some of those kids can be in therapy for a longer period of time. So for people who don't need your services, mm -hmm. what do you want them to know about the people that you're helping? Well, you know, everybody wants the best for their kids. Everybody wants the best for their families. Um, I want people to know about Charlotte Speech and Hearing Center that there are options. That's what I want people to understand. Um, we have families who have put off getting hearing aids. We have um, kids who have had hearing aids and the dogs love hearing aids, okay? Dogs eat hearing aids. We've had families where kids have not had hearing aids in six months, eight months, a year, and they've missed a lot of valuable language because they don't think that they can afford hearing aids. Um, a, lot of insurance um, a lot of insurance companies don't cover the cost of a hearing aid, or they may cover the cost of it, but they don't cover the fittings. And you know how kids grow, they grow so quickly. Um, those have to be refit frequently. So um, I just want people to know that there's options out there. There's, um, there's a place that they can come to um, and get top level service, whether they can afford it or not. Yeah, hearing is, is so important. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know a few people that finally got hearing aids and it makes a huge difference. And when you're talking about a kid under five years old, mm -hmm. that's their world. I mean, they're not learning how to speak, right? That's exactly right. Or we have a lot of kids that have sound problems. Um, and then there's, there's ambient language that's missed. So even if they're directly learning language, um, maybe they have a milder hearing loss, they're missing some of that language that's just out in the, their surroundings. You know, when you overhear the TV or you overhear a conversation by, by other people, um, you know, kids just soak that up. And we, we have a short period of time where their brains are still developing and they're just sponges. And we really need that birth to five population to be, um, to make sure that they're, that they are hearing. Um, and a lot of times those losses go undiagnosed. Your center uh, is helping a lot of people. I mm -hmm. was looking at the report from last year and it looks like, I guess, 1,300 receiving hearing services mm -hmm. and then about 16,000 receiving speech intervention services. So you're busy. We're really busy um, and it's it's excellent. We wanna be busy. We wanna, we wanna rock and roll all the time. So um, a lot of those are kids that we have gone out into the community and actively searched for children that need us. So we've screened thousands of children. Um, and we don't just go into the big daycare centers. We go into small mom and pop centers. We're looking for um, the lady at the end of the street that keeps everybody's kids. Um, these are the kinds of places that we're going. And so we're just uncovering um, a multitude of children that are kind of already starting behind the eight ball, you know. Um, if they show up in kindergarten and they're behind, the research tells us they're just gonna get more behind. That disparity grows. And so, yeah, it's about getting to as many people as we can. And we do have a lot of people that we work really consistently with, but a lot of our job is is finding people that need help. And we're not a huge agency. We can't take all those children, but our job is to make sure that they're connected to Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools, that they're connected to 
Children's Developmental Services, that they get where they need to be. We may refer kids to um, teach. We may refer kids to developmental pediatricians to try to get them the help that they need. It's not about finding these kids and keeping them to ourselves. It's about getting them where they need to be. That's a, a huge part of why we do see so many children, because we're in a race. We're in a race against time. Yeah. Can you tell us a specific story of one of the kids that you've helped? Um, well, one thing that I really enjoyed, um, like I said, about working in the nonprofit world is that we just don't have to turn people away. And um, I was working with a little boy three or four years ago, and um, he has a severe phonological impairment. So he has difficulty recognizing sounds and making sounds, which you can kind of extrapolate from that, that there's going to be some educational problems. He's going to have a hard time reading. He's going to have a hard time with some of those kind of higher level things. Um, and I'd been working with him for about six or eight months when his mom came in one day, they came in for therapy and she said, you know, I'm so sorry, Miss Angie, but we're going to have to stop. My husband lost his job. That's what's paying for our insurance. That's how we're doing it, which sometimes insurance pays for speech and sometimes it doesn't. And she said, I'm sorry. We're just going to, we're going to have to stop. I can't afford speech therapy. And, um, you know, we sat down, we talked about it and I told her, I was like, you know, you don't have to quit. You don't have to choose between your child growing and being their education that they're, I mean, it's, it's social, it's educational communications, everything. Um, you don't have to make a choice between that and buying your food this month. Um, we were able to help that family with the assistance fund. It was a great win for me as a human being. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that I didn't, that I could say that to her, that I could say, this does not mean that you have to stop. It, it absolutely doesn't. Um, we worked with that child. I worked with him. I don't know. They were on the assistance fund for four or five months. Dad got a new job. Insurance was reinstated and the kid finished up his therapy. It was fantastic. But you know, if he, if we had lost him then, we may have never gotten him back into therapy. That may have never resolved fully, but we were able to resolve that issue and put him on a level playing field with every other kid in his classroom. Um, and it was because of the assistance fund. And that was, you know, that's, that's a, an amazing feeling to be able to, to provide that for somebody. Well, and it's life-changing. It is. And if he didn't get those services, like you said, who knows where he would have ended up. Yeah, it really you know, communication problems permeate every area of your life. So if he can't communicate and function with the other kids, think about what that does to you socially, you know, and those things that happen in childhood, they, they live on in our adult lives, you know, for so long. And, um, just being able to help him and treat him as a, as a, as a whole person, you know, it wasn't just, Hey, we've got to get these sounds fixed. Hey, he's got to be a good reader. All those things are important, but it's, you know, he needs friends. He needs to be able to communicate what he wants. A lot of times if kids don't get help, especially if they're severe, like have a really severe problem like he did, they just shut down and they miss their potential. And that's what we don't want to have happen. We don't want anybody to miss their potential. This is Pamela Escobar. You're listening to Do Good Charlotte. After the break, you're going to find out who qualifies to use these services. How long do runners need to stretch before hitting the road? This is a 60-second training tip powered by Ortho Carolina. 
Stretching muscles while the body is at rest can lengthen muscles and help runners improve performance, reduce injuries, and recover from a tough run faster. But how long should a good stretch last? The simple answer is 30 seconds. This allows your cold muscles to relax and be ready for work. Taking the time to stretch properly is critical, especially if you're coming back from an injury. Something to note though, stretching a muscle group for longer than 30 seconds can actually decrease your speed and hurt your performance. In addition to a good pre-run stretch, spend some time after your run and stretch the same muscle groups for 30 seconds as well. This has been your 60-second training tip powered by Ortho Carolina, official team physicians of the Carolina Panthers and proud sponsor of the Queen City Podcast Network. For more training tips or to make an appointment, visit orthocarolina.com. talked a lot about kids so let, we'll talk about kids but then also talk about their services for adults as well right there are definitely so who who qualifies okay so we're here to help anybody that has a communication problem um that's related to speech language or hearing um that's a lot of people it's a pretty vast population um we have fantastic service. We have highly trained therapists. We have a fantastic audiologist who really, really knows her stuff. Um, and I would say that our staff is rivals the best in the world. Um, we're here for families that need short-term service. We're here for families that need long-term service. Um, we work with adults, um, mainly adults who have fluency disorders. We work with adults who, um, would like to reduce their accent, which is interesting work. That's pretty cool. Um, I am a little nervous today, so my accent's kind of showing up a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't podcast every day. So, um, but we, we work with adults, um, and actually they can, um, access our assistance fund as well. So we have several adults that um, are either trying to work on losing their accents. This is not English as a second language. This is people who are typically professionals, but their accents have gotten in the way of their careers. So, I mean, we've worked with all kinds of people. I've worked with um, doctors and musicians and architects and uh, maids. I've worked with all kinds of people that want to just speak better um, because of an accent. Um, A lot of adults who um, have fluency disorders. Um, What does that mean, fluency disorder? So um, a fluency disorder is when the natural flow of speech is interrupted. Um, And the most typical of the fluency disorders is stuttering, but there are multiple different kinds of fluency disorders that people can have. Um, 1% of the population has a fluency disorder, which is a lot of people when you think about how many individuals there are in the world. so accessing service um, to help people have more fluent, clear speech is one of our, um, I would say that's a, a pretty standard um, goal for us. That's a, a pretty standard client. Um, we work with a lot of adults who have fluency disorders, um, children who have fluency disorders. Um, so so to, to be understanding, mm-hmm. and you talked about this a little bit before, so you're going out looking for kids. You're trying to find them down to the daycare that's on the corner, that's watching right. all the kids. Are you searching for adults? How do you find your adults? Um, well, the adults typically <laughs> find us. Um, 
What we don't do is rehab. And there's a lot of adults that are in rehab. So if someone's had a stroke, if someone's had something, um, been in an accident and they're relearning their speech and language, that's typically not our model. It's people who've had developmental issues. So people who've had issues their whole lives um, are typically the people that kind of come to us. Um, as far as us going out and looking in the community and trying to find people, um, we partner with child care centers all the time to try to be a good resource for them. Um, one of my jobs um, is to provide parent and caregiver training as well as a lot of teacher training. So I meet with teachers all over the county and try to give them the tools. So I try to teach them about early speech language milestones, what to look for, red flags. I taught a class today about Autism 101 um, and what autism in the classroom looks like and what autism can look like between the ages of birth and three. Um, so my goal is to go out and get into the community and try to educate people as much as I can um, ab about communication disorders. So it's not just me looking for them. Now there's 38 teachers that I worked with today who are also looking for those kids. So it's a lot about kind of providing tremendous amounts of training, tremendous amounts of training um, to the community. Um, and you were saying earlier, mm -hmm. and, and the example that you gave us was that there was a family that couldn't afford it. So mm -hmm. yes, you can get services through you guys, mm -hmm. through your insurance, mm -hmm. but if you can't, you're not turning people away. No, absolutely not. No, and, we have a lot of fund, families. Mm -hmm. And that fund comes from where? So we are a United Way agency and we get funding from United Way. Um, we have private donors that um, connect with us and understand our mission. A lot of times they're families who've had a, a loved one who's had a hearing loss or who's had speech problems. Um, the revenue that we generate from the private pay service goes into that nonprofit work. That's huge. And that's one of the reasons why we try to encourage people to come use our services. So if you've got insurance and you can afford speech therapy, this is a great place to come. And not only is your child or are you going to get fantastic service, but that's going to go right back into it. And that we're very cost effective because there's no owner getting rich pockets. It's all going to go right back into the agency. We've got a fantastic board of directors that make sure that what we're doing is ethical and it aligns with the mission. And we are constantly searching to align with our mission, um, constantly searching for the next issue that we need to face. What is it? I mean, childhood literacy rates, the, the, the abysmal childhood literacy rates. Um, we've taken a huge focus off of just doing therapy in our clinic and going out into um, some of Charlotte's toughest kind of neighborhoods and going in and providing literacy training. Um, that's not something that we did five years ago. It's not something that we really focused on. We really were in the business of doing speech therapy and we've really had to reach out more and kind of own our space as a nonprofit in Charlotte and see what's the current need and it's it's literacy that's one of the big needs so and and literacy is largely affected by child's language right. so going out and working with kids even kids who aren't diagnosed um and working in classrooms and trying to do whole language whole classroom stimulation and really trying to help build vocabularies trying to help build phonological awareness with these kids um, we've got several grants that we have used to go out and and do that kind of work but 
we were born out of crisis. That's where we, we started in 1967 because there was a rebel outbreak. And there were hundreds of children that were left deaf or hard of hearing. And the Junior League actually founded our company because at that time there was nothing for those children. So Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools didn't have a, a classroom for children who were deaf at that point. So they started a classroom and they started a clinic. So that's where we came from. We're, we're always looking for what the community need is. Well, I that's think where we started. Well, I think it's awesome that you, you started off this conversation saying that it's your passion mm-hmm. and that you've been in this for 20 years. And it's interesting that over that time, you're learning and adjusting to what the need is. Mm-hmm. And so that continues. I think that that's, I mean, we're relevant and we're, we're just as relevant today as we were 50 years ago. We just celebrated a, a, a big milestone. Um, and I think being a nonprofit and being as, as stable and as, as sturdy and dependable as we are as a nonprofit um, says a lot about, you know, who we are and our ability to change and our ability to, to suit ourselves to what the community needs at the time. That's what, that's what we're doing. You're doing good, Charlotte. Thank you. So thank you so much for sharing your story with me today. I really appreciate it. Now, do you know someone else like Angie who's doing good in our community? Let me know. Tell me about someone or a nonprofit organization that should be heard on Do Good Charlotte. Reach out to me, Pamela Escobar, on social media. I'm Reporter Pam on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or go to the Queen City Podcast Network page and fill out the contact form for Do Good Charlotte. There's good all around us. Let's hear about it. I'm Pamela Escobar. Thanks for listening to Do Good Charlotte on the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Do Good Charlotte is recorded at the Queen City Podcast Network studio at Advent Coworking in Uptown Charlotte. Producers are Brian Baltoschwitz and Pamela Escobar 